Welcome back to Snares Book Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk with staff, pupils and parents to understand more about life at the school. Now, each episode, I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, head teacher at the school, and together we speak to a guest, so it's a bit of a three-way conversation. Now, in this episode, we're talking to Liz Douglas, head of languages at the school. But first of all, Ralph, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm great, thank you, Simon. It's a it's a bit of a grey, overcast day, but the early morning rain has has moved on. So, yeah, it's brightening up, and you know, you know, I always I always love these chances to chat. So it's a great day. Well, I, I love I love your updates on the weather as well. A bit like a, a Michael Fish or or John Ketley or someone like that. I have I have to be honest. I did curtail it slightly. I was going to talk about the you know the the low pressure to the west and the, the higher pressure moving in no genuinely I was the first thing see as a teacher so much and particularly a primary school teachers so much of of what we do is weather dependent it's like are the children going to go out at break that's the first like thing in the morning I cycle into work so I'm sort of thinking right what what I was gonna say uniform what clothing do I need to cycle in and cycle out one where I'm not going to get too hot and sweaty or am I going to need a full change of clothes or so I have an app I use an app called it's not windy predict predict wind predict, okay it's quite yeah. it's quite a popular weather app amongst sailors and what it would do is it would show you a 14 day forecast and it shows you all the isobars and shows you the weather systems moving and i've become quite fascinated by watching the sort of high pressures from europe if they sort of move further north then they basically deflect the the low pressures that come across the atlantic from you know the caribbean they push mm-hmm. them further north, so okay. our school escapes the wetter weather. I have, I'm yet to see what happens when the weather turns around in winter and it comes from the north a bit more, but I can update everybody in a, in a later podcast yes, because please. I'm sure uh, our, uh, listeners, our listeners are going to be, this is what they tuned in for, right? <laughs> well, they kind of tuned in for languages, <laughs> but right now they're getting a bit of geography. <laughs> Ralph, why are we bringing Liz on to talk about languages? Why, why, why in your opinion, are languages important? Uh, uh, now we've spoken so passionately about the weather, I really don't know. I think we should just carry on about the weather. Because, um, no, in all seriousness, so languages, why are oh, languages? Where do you start, Simon? I mean, one, I think, I don't know if this is just my um, English guilt, because the rest of the world speak English and we don't. I think that's that's wrong and we should make more of an effort so I want you know I think and the reason I say that is because I think it is about connecting you know connecting Mm -hmm. to people I think I think learning a language I think there are many benefits if you can learn a language that has impacts in other areas of the curriculum so I think it's important from that aspect I think it is important to I particularly I think we've spoken about this before about the sort of cultural aspect of learning languages as well is important. I think in a previous podcast, you know, we spoke about that. And I think also with the end in mind, you know, our pupils going on and being prepared to do well at their secondary school, Hmm. they need to be confident learning languages. And I think a lot of, you know, and how we get children confident about learning to learn a language is important so uh, yeah that's i think it'd be great to explore all of this with her of course liz is going to be dialing in from home a bit of a reflection of covid times so should we bring her in now yeah absolutely liz thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast how are you doing today 
I'm doing all right, thanks. I'm just sitting here in my living room with my dog who has gotten into the habit of joining me whenever I'm on a video call for some reason. But she seems to like to keep me company, I guess. <laughs> Tell us about your dog. <laughs> what, what, what's her name and how old is she? Her name, her name is Scout. She is a cockapoo and she is three years old. And she's a bit crazy, as most cockapoos are, but in a friendly sort of way. So a cockapoo must have been lovely company to have during pandemic. Is that right? Absolutely. And I have one son, so he's an only child. And he says that Scout is his sister. And oh. it was really, it was a godsend really for him to have her. He, she would sit on the sofa with him when he was doing his schoolwork and things. And, and he just would, his hand would just be like stroking her. And it was yeah, a really lovely thing for, oh. for all of us. That yeah. sounds gorgeous. And how old is your son? He is 11. He's just started secondary. <laughs> and, and how does that feel to, to, to have him at secondary school now? It was really stressful at first. And I think because I'm in primary, I sort of know primary age and I know what happens in schools and things. But secondary, obviously not, you can tell from my accent, I'm not from England. So it's such a foreign world for me. And I felt so disconnected, not having any clue what it was going to be like. But now that he's been there for, you know, six weeks, he's so happy and he's thriving and he's loving it. So, so I can breathe now. <laughs> and you mentioned that you're, <laughs> you're not from around here. So before we get into the heart of this episode, tell us where you're from. I was born outside of New York City. I always tell people it's from the Essex of New York City, New Jersey. <laughs> 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 because it's the suburbs and it's sort of, near the city but outside of the city the same kind of thing new jersey sounds way cooler than essex though <laughs> uh, bon jovi never similar. made an album about essex oh bon jovi the pride of new jersey <laughs> <laughs> and liz tell us what it is that you do at school i am the french and latin teacher for the school okay right gosh so how did you get into that and what was your love of languages that took you took you down that path then Oh, well, it, it's funny. I, I, I grew up in New Jersey, as I said, but I went to university in Canada. And I sort of, it was a little while not in university. I wasn't really sure what direction to go in. And actually, I started taking French again. I had done it in high school because I wanted to stay in Canada. And it was really just for immigration purposes because you, it was on a point system and you would get points for speaking one of the languages and for speaking both of the languages, you would get more points. But somehow studying French in Canada, it, it made it a bit more realistic because obviously I was in an English speaking part of Canada, but French was all around. French was on the labels of, you know, cereal boxes and things and on the street signs and things. And it just, it suddenly was more practical learning French. And I really started to enjoy it. And then, yeah, I went down that path and I'd always, I had done Latin in high school as well. And it, it was sort of a combination because I'd also been working with children a lot since I was a teenager. And then all of a sudden I kind of went, oh, I like French and I like teaching and oh, these things could go together. And that, that's sort of how it came about. And what is it about languages that you feel is important? I'm presuming that you do feel like languages is, is, oh, is yes. an important part of education. Uh, what is it about languages then? Oh, there's so much, in particular with French, because I think there are there are things that are important about French and there are things that are important about Latin and some of them are the same and some of them are different. So um, with French, it's the cultural aspect of it. As I said, I'm an American, went to university in Canada, but also I've married an Australian. 
I'm living in England. My father's from Serbia, so I've kind of, uh, my mother's from the Lake District, so I've kind of got a bit of a multicultural life myself. And I've always, I, I, I always joke, I like being a stranger in a strange land. And, and then going into, and granted I've, I've spoken about mostly English speaking countries, but it's, it's fun going into another country and communicating with people in their own language. Whenever we travel, my husband and I always try and learn at least how to say hello, goodbye, please, thank you, things like that, so that we can at least say that. And it's lovely that you get a different reaction from people when you, even if you just try a few words mm. in their language too, if you, you know, if you say, I don't speak the language and, and you just try and speak French. So I think it, it's, it's partially that, the interactions with other people. It's the cultural side of it, because when you're interacting with someone in, an, in their language or when, for you in another language, it, it just feels different. The mm. conversation feels different. The interaction feels different. And I think that's, that's a really wonderful thing. For Latin, it's, for me, Latin is very mathematical. And, and that's what I love about it. Tell us a bit more about that. How do you mean mathematical? Well, the thing about Latin is because the grammar works differently, because the endings of words change in Latin depending on the job they're doing in the sentence. So word order doesn't really matter in Latin. Okay. Well, in English, word order matters. If I say the dog is chasing the cat, that's different from the cat is chasing the dog. But in Latin, you can say those three words, you know, the cat chasing and dog in any order you want. And it's mm -hmm. the endings that tell you who is doing what to who. But because of that, it's, it feels to me like a, a, a mathematical equation that you have mm -hmm. to balance the two sides of, of the equation. And I think that it's that understanding of grammar that the children get from studying Latin and an understanding of their own grammar that makes it really interesting mm -hmm. and really useful for learning their own language and other languages. So I'd love to know a little bit more then about the, the different approaches you take in teaching different languages to children of different ages because I imagine that when they're very young you take a different approach to when they're in the top end of school. Yes and no. I, oh. I do but there's some of it that I think that sticks with me right the way through. For example I use a lot of music and rhymes and things like that especially with the little ones but I still use it all the way through the school because I think that's one it's a more fun way of learning the language mm -hmm. two i mean we all know about how, how music is is helpful often people you know learn things to, to help study whatever subject it is if they sort of put it to music i know lots of people use that technique so that's really helpful for the older children as well as the younger ones it also because it's fun it takes some of the pressure off because mm -hmm. it can be really intimidating learning a foreign language for adults for children for anybody and, and I find using music and games and all that sort of thing takes the pressure off a lot, which you need for learning a language. Because if you're too afraid to give it a try, hmm. then you're not, you're not gonna learn it. But if you're having so much fun that you forget that you're actually learning something, then the, it, just, it just goes so much better. Yeah, I mean, speaking from my, uh, my own education, just for a very brief moment, I, I can remember myself feeling very self-conscious about speaking with a French accent out loud, speaking French words with a French accent. And, and I used to be slightly afraid that my, my friends would laugh at me. And so I, I didn't like doing it. And so as a result, I know that my, my own education of French 
was far less effective than it could have been. Absolutely. And I think, going back to your previous question, that was probably one of the things that drove me down this path as well, because I'll let you in on a little secret, although it won't be much of a secret after this. I wasn't very good at French in secondary school. And I think because I, because of exactly what you said, it was intimidating. I was, I know you won't believe it, I was really shy. And I was afraid of sounding foolish, afraid of making a mistake. And, and it really hindered my learning. And th so I think that's probably the biggest thing that I do right through is I let the children, they all know that I don't get upset when they make a mistake. If they try their best, I'm happy. If they give it a go, even if it's all wrong, they gave it a try. And then I know what it is that they need help with if they make mistakes and mm -hmm. I can help them fix it. So I think that, that makes me really sad because you're not the only one who said that to me about their experience learning a foreign language. And it breaks my heart that, that that's what, when we were all in secondary school, that's what foreign language teachers did up to a lot of students. Not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them did. They, they put them on the back foot right from the start. And how are you going to learn that way? I sort of feel like we're, you know, we're in this meeting of languages anonymous. I feel like I need to <laughs> add my own fear of of learning languages even to the point so as as listeners may know if they know our school miss rampat is german she's our bursa and so she's been trying to teach me the the, the breviarian words for sort of like it's, it's i can't remember i'm not going to get this right but it's basically like so it's, it's a goodbye so it's a you know see you later it's sort of like you know godspeed or it has that sort of religious thing. but anyway so the word is and i can't do it but she's trying to teach, it's one word, it's, it's, it's three syllables. And it's, and I'm really now terrified, I was going to say this, I thought, be, it'll be fine, I'll just say this into the microphone, nobody, you know, and I can't bring my, such is my fear of learning languages that I can't now say, no, I'm going to go for it, hang on, I'm going to build up to it, everyone. You know, don't, don't, no negative comments on the, you know. Never. No, no. negative comments allowed, uh, bit of drum roll. No, no, I meant generally to the listening population, you know. <laughs> Because, you know, this is a big deal, right? <laughs> I've been a baby good now, hey? <laughs> it's, it's, anyway, no, it's, as long as you give it a go. Right, here we go. 30. It's like a PH. A f and then she says it's a bit like here. And then it, it sounds like when she says it, T. So it's like 30. So nice. it's like ch chus is the other one. So there's another, you can say chus, which is a more northern German sort of way of saying goodbye. And I was saying to, I was saying to her, oh, you know, is that? And she's oh yeah, she says, that's Northern German. Us, us Southerners would say thirty or something thirty. Anyway, but yes, and I was I was pondering on this even last night, and and I actually think learning a language and expressing yourself when you try using another language is such a personal thing. Mm. It's like when you you're asked to sing in front of your peer group, or I think you know we can really underestimate just how much of yourself you feel like you're putting out there. You know, you can write an answer in a book for a maths question. Absolutely. And, and it's very private, isn't it? Yep. And I think, Liz, what's lovely about the way you sort of, you know, engender this spirit in your classroom to enable children to, to overcome that fear, I think that's, you know, absolutely lovely because I, I do think it's terrifying. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And I know that. And And... I'll be honest, when I think, when I started here, I started here in 2016, and uh, I, I felt like I had to work hard to get the children to believe me almost when I said, just give it a go. I don't mind if it's wrong. That's fine, as long as you try. And now they know, and, and they're so willing to give it a go. And it just, 
you know, it warms my heart when they mm. just, they give it a try and when they, they show such enthusiasm for it as well. Mm. But I think this is one of the things in education we've been really trying to get across to children and to parents about the willingness to make mistakes because it's only in the making mistakes yes. that you're going to learn, you know, and it's a bit like me. I don't, you know, the less you speak of the language, the less you try. Yes. And so the less you learn or somebody doesn't just gently correct you so you don't get that bit of feedback. So, no, it's, 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 it's getting across that. It's the, mm. the first step is always just trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Liz, I'd love to talk a little bit about Latin because I'm thinking that yes. some of the parents who might be listening to this podcast episode right now, maybe when they were at school, they didn't learn Latin. And they're kind of mm. thinking, well, that's just for, uh, you know, people that live in the dark ages. Uh, that's not relevant anymore. Or it's for posh people. And, you know, wh wh mm. why, do, mm. why do my children need to learn it? Tell us a little bit about why it's important. Well, a bit of what I was saying before about how it's very mathematical. So I think oh, there's so many things. There's so many great things about learning Latin. One of them, as I said, was learning just grammatical structure in general. You really get such a clearer idea of the way a sentence fits together by studying Latin. And so learning English grammar, is, is, it helps your English grammar. It helps you learning when you're learning a second language grammar. But also vocabulary, obviously so much of English vocabulary comes from Latin, but also French and Spanish and Italian and, and lots of other languages actually. So when you learn the vocabulary, it helps with your English vocabulary and foreign language vocabulary. Then of course, scientific terms all come from Latin. So, you know, if you're into science, which my son is, so I've been doing a bit of Latin with him and, uh, and I tell him, you know, if you're gonna be a scientist, Latin's gonna help you. Legal terms, as our, our previous lawyer friend over here knows, that a lot, of, uh, a lot of legal terms come from Latin. Liz, give us a couple of examples of those, could you? Either the scientific ones <laughs> or the legal ones. Is that for Ralph? Are you putting him on the spot? Yeah, you are, aren't you? <sighs> well, it seems like, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm assuming things like mens rea. Yeah, pro bono. <laughs> pro bono, yeah. And actually, uh, just because I didn't learn Latin at school, never learned Latin, and actually those terms are actually quite intimidating at the, at the start because they just don't, I guess in terms of your learning, we always talk about you need schema, so you need a, a block to put mm -hmm. a new piece of information on. I had no block to put this bit of Latin on mm -hmm. and, it, and, it, and it sort of just sits there or you don't know really where it goes. So I, I think it's a really good point you make, Liz, that, that mm. these words crop up all over the place and just knowing a little bit of it just demystifies it a little bit, yes. which means you've got, you know, a block to put that new word on. What's really exciting for me, though, is especially as the, uh, the, the children get older, sort of key stage two, especially sort of years five and six, they start saying things like, in my French lesson, they'll say, oh, is that like in Latin? Whether okay. it be a word or a grammatical point or something like that, and the same way around. In Latin, they'll say, oh, is that like in French? <gasps> I get so excited when they say that. <laughs> I think that's one of the things I love, again, you know, in our conversations we've had, Liz, is, is this, you once said to me, oh, I, it's about learning to learn a language. I don't know if you could sort of expand on that idea. Yeah, well, I mean, for one thing, obviously, we're doing French and Latin here. When, when these children go on to their secondary schools, I mean, most schools have French and Spanish, but they won't necessarily, they'll have other options. There's, there's Mandarin, a lot of them have, there's German, those are quite popular ones. There'll be Latin at a lot of secondaries as well. 
those are probably the main ones that are out there. But to an extent, one of the things, one of the first things I need to break through is how a language, a different language, can work completely differently to your own language. And I think that when children start to learn a second language, and even adults, I think, who have never learned a second language, have this idea they don't understand why you can't just take out the, the word and plug in an English one in its place. I, I know they don't really think that, but on some level, part of their brain doesn't understand why isn't it just a straight substitution of words. And as I was saying before about maths, I actually did, uh, in I think it was in year five, because they would often say to me, well, why do they say it that way? And why can't they just say it that way? And it's like, well, it's a different language. It developed differently. And, and actually, sometimes the way we see it in English is a bit strange if you think about it. And actually, some ways in English it makes more sense. In some ways in the foreign language it actually makes more sense. And I, so in year five, I actually did a little mathematic equation on the board saying it's like math. So I said something like, you know, four squared equals what was it, 30 divided by 2 plus 1. They both equal 16. Mm. They both mean the same thing, but they're said in different ways. And you can't just substitute, you know, one word for the other, you know. Mm. And, mm. and I think, so sometimes I actually tell them things like je m'appelle means my name is, or that's what we tell them. But literally, it's more like I call myself. Because je means I, if we tell them je m'appelle means my name is without telling them any more, then they start thinking je means my, and it gets confusing. So, yeah? I think, I mean, sorry to jump in, but one of the really interesting things in that, and again, I know Liz, you and I have spoken about this, is how it affects your thinking and how, you know, the way we speak affects how we think. If we don't have a word for something, we can't think of it but even just I was just interested in that je m'appelle I call myself has a lot more agency than my name is mm, mm. my name is fixed and it was given to me I call myself has a whole lot more agency and I might choose to identify in another way and I don't know I don't know if that leads to a different way of thinking about your life but are you do you tell me once a story about a friend who would tell jokes in would laugh in one language or something or they 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 were a, they were a nanny or they looked after somebody and i'm sure you were saying they would their their sense of humor was different in two different languages or something i can't remember oh i don't remember that for those who are listening Liz is, <laughs> she's looking very confused right now i am i didn't dream this i don't think i did i'll have to have a think about that we were in the year two classroom at the time i'm fairly sure maybe i did dream it that's quite a vivid but but one thing i would say which is maybe what you're thinking of is that there is because i studied french linguistics in university and so there's sort of a, an idea in kind of sociolinguistics that you have a different personality in another language and i know i when i was in university i went for a summer and lived in france and i worked as an au pair and the kids I looked after, the, their au pair was from Italy. And so she, she and I would sometimes speak English together because she was studying English, but sometimes we'd speak French and we would kind of bounce around between the languages. But when she actually came to visit me the following year in New York, and I couldn't speak English to her really because most of our relationship was in French. And there's this whole idea in sociolinguistics that you have a different personality when you're speaking another language and your relationships are built in the right. language wow. so i would be there speaking english to my parents 
and I would and she was speaking English to my parents because she'd studied English but she and I would speak French to each other because that was our relationship was built in French and I just couldn't speak English to her it was weird very strange very I just strange. think yeah I, it's interesting I just though. think this is a fascinating idea though in the sense that we're talking about at school wanting children to be their best selves and actually if their personality is some way influenced by the language they speak denying them the opportunity or not giving them opportunities mm -hmm. to learn other language maybe in some ways denies them finding other facets of themselves mm. or preventing you you know connecting with other people that you could find a connection with. I do know I just think it's fascinating I really do I realized though I didn't fully answer that question I think I got off on a tangent but um, going back to about learning other languages so the idea is when when the children go on to secondary even if they choose not to do French and break my heart no mm -hmm. kidding if they decide to do German or you know Mandarin Chinese or whatever they they will have for one thing gotten that concept of things working differently in different languages mm -hmm. but then also we do lots of things for example, studying vocabulary, which I was thinking about when you were talking about your your German word from uh, from from uh, Mrs. Rampat, that um, that it's hard to remember those sounds. So we have a technique where, when we're learning new vocabulary words, they come up with sort of silly mental pictures. And I know I've told you this one before. For example, un cochon is the French word for a pig. This is always the clearest example for me. So I have the kids come up with a silly idea of how to remember that cochon means pig and it sounds a bit like the word cushion in English so they either imagine a pig cushion or a pig sleeping on a cushion or whatever and I guarantee you every kid in this school no if you ask them how to say pig in French they'll say un cochon well maybe not little ones because you haven't done that yet but if they've learned it from me they know it because that sticks in their heads and we come up with lots of images like that so that's a skill that they can use in any language hmm. to learn the vocabulary and that was always my struggle going back to secondary mm. is one of the struggles was memorizing the words and mm. you know you can't just pound them into your head over and over so you need to find something for that German word Ralph that helps you remember the sound of it well yeah so I break it down into the 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 ph so yeah. I, I I imagine it written down yes as ph here t t e a or you know there you go as a cup of tea, I yeah. guess, to yeah. put more visual to it. But yeah, yeah. I tend to do it more with, with words or sounds, I think. But mm. but And do you think there's, that there's something to be said for just trying to think in the language rather than try to think in English and translate it? Eventually, yes. But it, it's that's really difficult to do at the start. So I think at the beginning, you 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 do have to go through those steps, you know? So you have to think, okay, you look at the picture, it's a pig pig what's my memory trick pig lying on a cushion cochon un cochon and so you have to take that journey and then the more you do it the more quickly those steps come and then the in-between steps just sort of drop away and you just go from pig to un cochon and then you see a picture of a pig and it goes straight to un cochon and you don't need that english intermediary step and i think i mean those are the when you learn a foreign language that's what you know the sort of educational philosophy is that there are five areas. It's reading, writing, listening, speaking, and thinking. Right. And thinking is the last one to come along, thinking in the language, because you've got to take those steps. But I, as I said before, when I worked as an au pair, I remember waking up one morning and I was so excited because I'd had a dream in French. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was and it was a, a memory of a party I'd been at 
um, in Canada with my friends. And so it, I was remembering, and all my friends, they were saying all the things that they'd said at the party, but in my, my memory of it was they were speaking, they were saying it all in French. Gosh. And they didn't speak French, my friends, you know, and, and I woke up that morning and I, oh, I had a dream in French. Not only was I thinking in French, I was dreaming in French. It was so exciting. Awesome. Liz, what's one of the languages that you don't speak right now that if you could learn it sort of like a plug-in and a bit like Neo in the Matrix and just sort of learn that language, what might it be? Oh, so many. I don't know where to start. Uh, my first instinct was, was German, being so close to Europe and obviously having... Our, our lovely Miss Rump had to chat with. But then my second thought was actually Mandarin Chinese because it is so different from structurally from English. And I, I, I've become recently aware of this because of how different it is mm. because we did a, a week-long taster session of Mandarin Chinese last year with Year 6. Mm -hmm. There was an online course and I sat in on it because I'm a language geek and I, <laughs> I sat in on the whole week of lessons and it was fab. And it was, I had no idea, it, it was more than just the writing of symbols that was different. It's, the grammar was, like, they don't really have tenses. Thought, what do you mean you don't have tenses? It was great. And I would, at the end, I would always snag a few minutes after the children had logged off and chat with the teacher. And she, she was really fab and, and, and was explaining things to me. And, yeah, it, it's just so completely different. And then, of course, the tonal language, so hmm. that you would have... And I, I can't remember any of it off the top of my head, but how the, like, so ba was maybe one of them. And it was something like ba, 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 or something like that. And all of those meant different. So it was equivalent to a B-A sound, but they all meant different things. Wow, gosh. And I just thought that's incredible. And it's so different. But at the same time, it's still language and there's still a structure and you still your brain needs to kind of work a certain way to get that so there's still there's still a connection there but it, it's so different from any of the languages i've done that i think that would be the one and liz just to jump in with another question then it, given that you've now learned this language tell me one place you've never been to that you'd love to go to now oh i don't know i think it would have to be i think south africa okay. which i know is not it, it it's and I think that's because my, my husband, as I said, is Australian. So I, he's got family there and there's a connection there. And so, but also we we've obviously have lots of teachers in our school who are from different places with different languages spoken. Mm. And so we obviously have our PE teacher who, so she speaks Africa, I mean, she knows Afrikaans. So, and I think that would be also quite different and yet similar because I think it's connected. It's similar to Dutch, I believe, but yeah. That would be kind of not too different and yet different enough. Mm. Actually, a quick funny story about that. You were saying about uh, telling a joke. I was really pleased with myself because Miss Faree, our PE teacher, was, was taking one of the classes back up to their class after PE lesson. And she was to get, get them to sort of be quiet. She was doing typical like touch your, touch your head, touch your knees, touch, you know, things like that to get them listening. And I happened to come out and, the, you know, she was saying bonjour to me and we made a little language joke and whatever. And then she said something to me in Afrikaans, you know, and and then she thought, oh, let's see if I can fool because I saw them doing the heads and touching whatever knees. And she said, gave them the instruction in Afrikaans. And I thought about it for a minute and I went and she said, yes. <laughs> and I was so pleased with myself because there was just something about the the one in four chance. No, but it wasn't that she'd done all kinds of things, and it was she had and she hadn't said head, but it was also the 
something about the structure of the way she said it. So I know she was, I can't, I can't put my finger on it. And there must have been some connection to a Latin word. I feel like it was caput, which means head. And mm. I swear there was a sound in there. So I was so pleased with myself and she was very impressed with me. So <laughs> oh, maybe I, that's I'm part of it is I figure well. I can. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Excellent. Um, Liz, we need to bring this to a close in a minute, but I just want to say thank you for, for being here. Thanks for giving up your time. And thanks for opening up the world of languages at Snaresbrook Prep to all of us and people listening. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks. So, Ralph, that was, that was Liz Douglas. <laughs> How's your French? How's your Latin right now? Comme si, comme ça. <laughs> I, once, I once went, I remember being on a school trip and we went, I wanted to buy some Kinder Bars, you know, because you're on a school trip. And uh, also, I don't think, actually, at the time, you could get Kinder Bars in the UK. They, they maybe don't seem such of a, a, a treat or a fascination. But anyway, so I went in, and the only way I could construct the sentence was, um, obviously, bonjour. But basically, I ended up saying, where does one find the Kinder Bar? Right. Which was yeah. an incredibly formal way. <laughs> and the, the lady was ever so sweet. She sort of, sort of just ch- chuckled and giggled warmly towards me as if, you know, to think, yes. Yeah. I, I say, my good lady, where would one find those fine <laughs> kinder bars? But that's it. In my head, I imagine that's what it sounded like. Hmm. But I do remember the thing that really stuck with me was the warmth of the smile and her, you know, she she came out from behind the counter, you know, and there's a whole queue of people behind me, you know, you, you can imagine what it's like in one of those small ski village supermarkets and the last thing she probably wanted to do was get out and take mm. me and fight, you know, and show me. Mm. But, you know, but she very willingly and very happily sort of took me and showed me and gave me another big smile when I came back. So mm. I think when Liz talks about that sort of cultural interaction, you know, the value of languages and, that that memory sticks with me because I think that's what you want. That that's what we, we you know as humans we're we're trying to connect with each other, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely right. Well, let me put the same question to you. If you could learn a language overnight, what would you learn? <laughs> I want to say something like the language of of compromise or connection. Anything that connects us, I guess that's really difficult because it, it depends who you are with, and I suppose. You know, along that, so my first thought was German and in a similar way to Mrs. Douglas that, you know, that would help me make a connection with Miss Rampat, you know, but equally I could extend that to the, the, the numerous languages spoken by our parents. You know, it'd be nice to sort of greet them and, and make a connection that way. But yeah, I don't know. There's, there's too many to choose. I haven't answered the question, have I? No, you haven't. <laughs> Actually, English. I would like to learn to be able to speak English well, frankly. I still feel there's a lot I don't know about that. Okay, that's fair enough. We can take that as an answer. That's good. Well, look, we probably need to bring this to a close now. But if anyone's listening to this episode right now and wants to find out more about Snaresbrook Prep, then just search out the school on social media or you can get in touch with the school and connect with Ralph directly. But our next episode is coming out soon. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Thank you for listening to Liz Douglas and for listening to head teacher Ralph Dalton. And we'll catch up with you again in the next episode. Bye for now. Bye for now. <laughs>